What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Point Blank. It's a big one today, the big five. Oh, we made it, Akeem. By the way, if you've been rocking with the show since episode one, or you just hopped on, or you just came across this video, please hit that subscribe button. If you like the content that we are putting out, also hit the like button because that does help our channel grow. And you can also follow us on our social media platforms. On Instagram, we're at the Point Blank Pod. On Twitter, we're at Point Blank Pod. You'll also see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us on our own personal personal social media accounts. But Akeem, the Big Five O, we made it. How are you feeling? Man, it, it, we were talking briefly off air about how quickly time flies, and that's really how I feel. You know, it's it's you never you never really certain times in life where you look back and you reflect, but you never really reflect until you kind of have to, until you hit a certain milestone. You're just like, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. So I am definitely proud of our consistency that we have shown. What are your thoughts on it? Cause 50 is built solid foundation now. I think it's such a big accomplishment to do something every week and stick with it. I, I think that's the big thing, right? Because it's like, you can get tired, life happens, things happen. Um, and it's been such a crazy year, I think, for both of us with so many things going on, um, so many different opportunities. You also have your own platform, your own channel. And, you know, sometimes things can get lost. And I think we've done a pretty good job. I think it's quite an accomplishment, man. And uh, we're seeing the numbers obviously gradually grow. And that's the thing, right? Like if we were still sitting at like 13 subscribers, I'd be like, I don't know, man. <laughs> You know what I mean? But obviously, uh, thank you for everyone that's watched a clip, came across a clip, um, supported, liked a video. We really do appreciate you. And it's been the best part, you know, seeing comments that are being left on our videos as well. I think it's been cool to have that interaction for sure. Yeah. So again, we want to thank each of you for continuing to tune into the show. Honestly, if you didn't tune in, it, Shantan and I would have the same conversation, but we wouldn't be recording it live or anything like that. So, you know, we definitely want to thank each of you for doing that. Uh, Chantel, we got to go over to a season. I guess it kind of already started yes. last week, if I remember correctly, because I was watching that game over in Dublin, Ireland. I forgot which Nebraska and Northwestern. Northwestern, which ended by a pick. But could you imagine that travel you lost and then you got to sit with that and you got to travel what 16, 17 hours on the flight? You know, it's just it's just disheartening. Right. But. Yeah. And National. especially because Nebraska should have won. Like there's just so many issues with that program. That's I don't want to get into that. That's not, that's not, that's not what's on the docket today. That, <laughs> that, that's, but that's football. That's collegiate football, right? That's all football. One mistake and it could be over, but we're going to make a prediction Chantel before the season even starts. We did that in the NBA. I think we did that last time we did this with NCAA Let's talk about the NCAA National Championship prediction, Chantel. There is a lot of teams that's coming back with a lot of stars, a lot of firepower, a lot of Heisman candidates who are trying to lead their team to a national title, which is all good and cool on paper. But can they get it done? Chantel, who gets it done? Who's in your national championship? Who do you predict winning? All right. Well, in my national championship final, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes and then I have your alma mater, the Alabama Crimson Tide, because Alabama's defense 
is going to be absolutely loaded this year. And they're going to be better than last year. Bryce Young, um, he's going to make another case for winning Heisman, right? Is he going to go back to back? I don't know. I don't think he is because the team I'm about to pick is the Ohio State to win it all. C.J. Stroud had a phenomenal season last year, 44 touchdowns through for just under 4,500 yards. Ohio State's coming off that Rose Bowl victory. And this group has lots of talent and they have a lot of depth. That wide receiver group is nasty. Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigma, Marvin Harris Jr. And they also have that running back in Trayvon Henderson, who's expected to have another great season like this offense. We're going to be talking about them having one of the best offenses in the entire nation. And the defense is pretty loaded as well. You got Jack Sawyer, you got JTT. This is going to be a great Ohio State team. And they play in a really tough conference in the Big Ten. Like, I hate on the Big Ten every year. And as we go on, I'm going to continue to hate on the Big Ten because the committee definitely has a little bit of favoritism to them. But I think they're going to be able to get past Michigan because I think Michigan is going to be a really good team this season as well. But I just think C.J. Stroud, the way he played last year and their Rose Bowl victory, they're going to build on it. And we're going to see some magic this year from the Ohio State Buckeyes. What about you, Akeem? Who do you have in your national championship final? And then who do you have winning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, even though I went to Alabama, I'm probably the most unbiased person (laughs) that actually goes there. Uh, point blank period right so but me it's, it's hard to go and go against Alabama and not think that they're not going to be there based on the history they're always kind of there so I have Alabama on one side now I have you know me I, I always have an A and a B and my A is one of those teams that you just said Ohio State I mean CJ Stroud um, you talked about the receiving core and also Marvin Harrison Jr. is there as well, too. So I think they are going to light it up offensively as they've been doing the past couple of years. I don't see anything changing. Uh, CJ Stroud, I don't know. He may be top three favorite to win Heisman, if not number one. He's but the he's, favorite. He's a he's a plus 200 to win it all. He's going to put up some massive numbers as he has that 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 offense the way how they call the plays, man. I think they averaged last year like what 45, 46 points per game. And it's hard to not think that they won't do the same or maybe more. So that's my A, but also the B is I gotta throw Georgia in there. I just think yeah, I just think they when I look at Alabama and Georgia, they're so similar in so many different ways, both offensively and defensively. And you have to kind of throw them in there. It's gonna be interesting to see what Stetson Bennett does as well, too. And so I have to put them in there and they won. I like to lean towards the champion. I got to put the champions in there, but I still think Alabama is going to win. Every time that Alabama loses a national championship game, the next year that they win. And with Bryce there coming back and Alabama always has that mentality of the next man up and you think they lose people and then they get two more. And so for me, they're going to find that, that, that core and that group of people, athletes who are going to come in and find different ways to win. And I also like uh, a quarterback. He's a freshman coming in, but I remember watching his highlight tape a couple of years back in Amani Stewart, the QB. Yeah, now, yeah. once Bryce leaves, Amani will come in and probably do his thing. But it's hard for me to not say that it's not going to be in Alabama in, in the national championship in either Georgia or Ohio State. But I do have Alabama winning this year. They're just going to find a way to do it, Chantel. But again... That's my take. Point blank would love to know who do you think wins 
the national championship this year. Who do you have in the finals? And maybe if you want to get a little bold, tell us a little bit of prediction of the score and how do you see it going? Let us know in the comments section below on our YouTube channel. But let's go over to Boxing Chantel because we have a big fight coming up, but we got to talk about a fight that could have went either ways that many people thought one or the other one in Jose Pedraza versus Richard Comey. What did you think about this fight, Chantel? Were you surprised by the outcome? I was very surprised by the outcome, but I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was a battle between two former champs. Was it a draw? I thought Pedraza did enough to edge it out, to be quite honest with you, especially in that ninth round when I think he kind of went ahead. I thought Pedraza won the fight, but I had it really, really close. And, you know, Pedraza was landing combos left hand to the body was one of the punches of the night for him. And he landed with ease. Meanwhile, Comey was able to do his best work when Pedraza was on the ropes. Like when he was able to get Pedraza on the ropes, Comey was doing his thing. And you know that he's always a threat with his power. But the big thing is because it was a draw, like I'm not mad at it being a draw, but because it was a draw, at 140, like, what is next for both of these guys, right? Because Pedraza's 35. I know Comey's 35. Pedraza's 33. And it's like, what's next for these guys at 140? Because you look at the 140-pound division, you got Josh Taylor, who's having to, you know, pretty much vacate his belt because he's going to fight Jack Catterall again. Then you got Teofima Lopez, who had his debut against Pedro Campa. I think Teofimo Lopez has his eyes set on something bigger, and I hope him and Arnold Barbosa fight. But what's next for these guys? And it's kind of interesting, but I think because Ryan Garcia said that he was going to jump up to 140, like it would be interesting to see a Ryan Garcia fight a Pedraza or fight a Comey. Mm. So yeah. I'm yeah. kind of interested, like if he, because if he could beat one of those guys, because I think Pedraza is a solid boxer, as is Comey, man. We know he has power. We know Pedraza is skilled. So if Ryan Garcia could fight at 140 and fight one of these guys, like that's a big payday for Pedraza and Comey. Both of them. And it would be a, it would be a competitive one for Ryan Garcia as well, too. Oh, yes. Especially, look, Fortuna was not a challenge. I don't even really count that one, right? But this would be a good if he does get it done, a good win on his resume. So I agree. I think that'd be a good fight. And and it's good for Pedraza or Comey as well, because it's like they're going to get paid as they should at this point in their career, right? So that's what I thought about the fight. I thought Pedraza did enough. And we saw some flashes of Comey obviously be dominant as well when he was able to get Pedraza on the ropes. But these guys are just two warriors, man. Am I mad at the draw? Not really. But I mean, I thought Pedraza did enough. So I kind of feel bad that he didn't get the W in that win column. What about you, Akeem? What were your thoughts on this bout? Man, I got a little bit like attached before the fight even started, man. They were talking about Richard Comey and they were talking about how there was a part where he was saying, and I went back and I was reading about it as well too, where uh, the, 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 the Ghanaian Federation, how they were treated Richard Comey, right? They were like, look, we don't, we don't even want you to wear the flag inside the ring. My man wore the flag inside the ring. And like, I felt that, right? Every, every person wants to feel appreciated for the work that you've been doing, especially him. Look, go. his story is remarkable. The man is back home building playgrounds, building parks, help building schools in his country. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you, how, what, why are you not supporting that? But there's a scripture, Chantel, that always says, um, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. 
And I could break that down. But what that really means is, man, you often don't get the respect that you feel like you deserve from certain places that is familiar. And so that that I felt that. But to the fight, that was a little bit of sidetrack. But to the fight, um, I, I well, I'm like you, I was not mad at the draw, but I did think uh, Pedraza did enough to win that fight. I thought he was a little bit more. I thought he was a bit more busier than Comey in that fight. But one thing I did know about those two is when they both fought Lomachenko, Lomachenko was stepping side to side laterally on both of those cats. But I was watching this fight and I started to see some of those same movements that they were correcting. And so I saw some different footwork and different change of angles and, and movements that they didn't do against uh, Lomachenko. And I saw improvements and I also saw how much they really wanted to win this fight. Now, the question that you said, Chantel, I didn't have... Ryan Garcia in the mix of that, but that's it's a great matchup for both of these men. But I also have it this way. I think Pedraza and uh, Teofimo Lopez go at it in December. And then I think Barbosa and Comey get a chance to go at it as well, too, because I don't think Barbosa and Teofimo is going to get into the ring. I don't know why, but I just don't see that one going to happen. But I think that's another route for both of these men. And they both you know, win-win situation. I think Pedraza gives a bit of a more test for Teofimo Lopez stylistically, giving more of a challenge. And Kome and um, uh, Barbosa, that's a good matchup as well, too. I definitely throw Ryan Garcia in there. But again, I respect both of these men, two good, very, very good fighters. Do we want to see a rematch? Because they were talking about it. No, nah, I'm good. Let's move on. <laughs> it was a good fight, though. I thought it was a good yeah. fight. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was entertaining, man. Like, I was working and I had to record it. And so I came back and I, I watched it after and I was like, the whole card was dope. Yeah, yeah, like but... the card was dope. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know like, let's not see a draw like at this point. Cause like they're getting older, but I kind of like that as well. I, I hope we get Teofimo Lopez and Arnold Barbosa and the winner fights, whoever has the belt, the WBO belt at the time. Like, I don't know about the whole yeah. Josh Taylor thing, but I, I think that would set up. I don't, I don't know if he gets the shot right away, but Whoever wins between Arlo Barbosa and Teofimo Lopez would be interesting. I hope that fight happens. I mean, it's top ring, so it should. But it, it's boxing, there, right? There, that, there you go. It is boxing. But we can still talk about it. And Point Blank would love to know your thoughts. How did you have this fight going? Did you see a draw? Because I saw someone post something on Twitter, and they had a draw, and they won a lot of money from that draw. <laughs> I but bet. Let's know your thoughts on this fight in the comment section below. But let's go over to a fight that's happening this weekend on Sunday, which is always a weird day for a fight, right? Talking about Andy Ruiz versus Lewis King Kong or Tease. What's Andy Ruiz's nickname? The Destroyer? Something like that, right? Yes, Destroyer? The Destroyer. What do you think about this fight, Chantel? How do you see it going? Who do you have? Well, well, The Destroyer is 34 wins, two losses for a big guy. He's got tons of speed in his hands, man. And he's really good at changing levels as well Well, for a big guy, which is interesting. He's got a nasty left hook. I mean, he's mostly known for upsetting Anthony Joshua. We all know what happened. Andy Ruiz shocked the world, took down Anthony Joshua, and then the rematch came and he came into that fight extremely overweight. And he ended up losing that one. And then after he joined Eddie Reynoso as his trainer and he fought Chris Ariola, which in it was his last fight. Um, but we do got to keep in mind that he did get dropped in that fight in the second round. And he hasn't been the most active, right? He has fought like one fight in the last three years. Like Andy Ruiz hasn't been as active as 
he should be. And he just left Eddie Reynoso and went over to Alfredo Osuna. So that's not a good look when you're changing trainers so much. But, um, you know, you also look at the fact that Ryan Garcia left Eddie Reynoso. So I think it's just like maybe Eddie Reynoso has all of his focus on Canelo and these guys want something a little bit different. So you can't blame them. Um, so I'm interested in seeing how Andy Ruiz looks in this fight, but mm -hmm. I think he's actually a really underrated heavyweight because he does have really, really quick hands, man. And he does have power. He's not someone that's going to like wow you in terms of like moving around the ring. But I think Andy Ruiz is a problem and a lot of people sleep on him in this division. As for Ortiz, the man is 43 years old, but he still got pop in his hands, man. He recently knocked out Charles Martin in the beginning of the year. I think it was like January 1st, if I remember. It was New Year's Day. And I was like, there's a fight going on, Ortiz and Charles Martin. Like, I wish they promoted that a little bit more. But the thing about Ortiz is he knows how to use his angles really well. And he's kind of like a tricky fighter. Um, he only has two losses. Like, people sleep on Ortiz so much. His only two losses are Deontay Wilder. Like, those are two really good losses to have on your resume. Um, against Martin, he did get dropped twice. But, I mean, King Kong ended up knocking him out. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. He came through, fought through adversity, 40 in, like, 43 years old, knocks out Charles Martin, gets the win. I thought he did look a little bit slower early on in the fight. But we also have to take into account that, like, it was a pandemic year. We're still in a pandemic, but I mean, it was like the COVID year. And I think he had a little bit of rust on him, but at 43 years old, like looking at his legs, he is a little bit slower. And at this point, we're pretty much in September when the fight happens, it'll be September. So I wonder how Ortiz is going to look against a younger Andy Ruiz. Like if you just look at it in that instance, Andy Ruiz should win this fight, but Ortiz is always going to be a threat because he does have power in his hands and he's skilled. Like he's a skilled heavyweight as well. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I'm curious about his stamina, both these guys stamina. I don't have this one going the distance at all. I think Ruiz is going to land some combos, use his quick hands and get the stoppage on Ortiz. So I'm taking Andy Ruiz to win by TKO, but I wouldn't be surprised if King Kong got the victory because he shouldn't be slept on as well. This is going to be a great fight. Like, I'm excited for this heavyweight bout. Do I think it should be on pay-per-view? Nah, but I mean, either way, I think it's going to be a good fight. And this is a fight I've been kind of wanting to see actually for quite some time uh, because I, I think Ortiz has been slept on in this division and I think Ruiz has been slept on in this division as well. So to get both of them fighting will be quite interesting. What about you, Akeem? Who do you have winning this bout and how? Yeah, I don't know what the rankings is. There's so many different sanctions and <laughs> I don't know which <laughs> one is which, but I actually think Ortiz is ranked higher than Andy Ruiz. And Ortiz is a dangerous cat, man. I like seeing King Kong inside the ring. I love the story. I love what he had to overcome to get inside the ring. But I was also... Uh, learn some new information. Shout out to Ray Cuban TV, who does all of the Cuban boxers, Cuban fighters. And he was telling me, he was like, man, you know, because I broke this one down in a separate video as well, too. And I said the same thing that you said. We saw the fight. We broke, we did that fight and we recapped that fight. And we both said the same thing. Ortiz is looking a little bit slow. Is, is the conditioning doesn't seem like it's going well. He's just not looking like, you know, the, the, the old Ortiz that we have seen. 
And Ray was telling me, he was like, man, he had some knee problems and wasn't able to do some of the road work conditioning that he usually gets to do. So that's something to keep in mind. Is it true? Uh, you know, I got to give a shout out to my man, Ray. You know what I'm saying? He knows what he's talking about. But 43 is still 43. You know what I'm saying? Your body isn't going to recover the same way and be able to do some of the same things. So King Kong, what makes him dangerous is that left hand, man. As long as he's got power. The speed will go a little bit more. The reflexes will go a little bit more, but the power seems to be the last thing to go away. And as long as you have that, I mean, there's so many heavy-handed heavyweights who have had long careers because they have an eraser. And I think as long as King Kong has that, he's still going to be dangerous. Now, Andy Ruiz, I honestly think he needs a little bit of adversity for him to really lock in. My thing with Andy Ruiz has never really been what he can do inside of the ring. As you said, you know he's got fast hands. You know he's quick. You know he changed angles well. Footwork is good. He's a good puncher. He's got some good pop in his hands. But it's just the outside stuff. Can he get locked in and dialed in for 12 rounds? Can he stay disciplined for 12 rounds? I think he took Chris Ariola lightly, and that's when he got dropped. But then once he realized, wait a minute, I'm in a fight here. And if I'm not careful, this man going to take me out. That's when I felt like he locked in and started to show some of that tools and that skills that helped him beat aging, right? So for me, I think uh, Andy Ruiz is going to come in. I think he's going to be a lot more focused because, again, he's not, he's not de-aging. That's probably not a word, but we're going to call it de-aging. He's not getting younger. He's only getting yeah. older. And the time is limited for his reign to get on top, to get another championship fight. So I think he knows that. And so I'm going with Andy Ruiz by KO as well, too. I don't think uh, this goes the distance. I'm also a little bit worried about the chin of Ortiz because when he went down against Chris Martin, it was two stiff jabs that took him down. I didn't like that. I, I don't feel confident about that. And I think the longer the fight goes on, you would think that you kind of have to favor the younger fighter conditioning wise because they're just a little bit younger and their body can maneuver and recover a little bit better. So I have Andy Ruiz by KO. I'm feeling like Chantel, maybe the seventh, anyway, from the seventh to the ninth round is where I think it might happen. So point blank would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this fight? How do you have it going? Let us know in the comment section below. I also think Chantel, it's like $74 for pay-per-view. I'm like, man, that's, I like that's these a things. hefty price. You know what that's, I mean? During a recession. USD. That's USD Chantel. So that's like yeah. 95 Canadian right there. But yeah. again, we would love to know your thoughts. Let us know in the comment section below. We're going to step away from the boxing ring and head to the NBA. Kevin Durant signs back with the Brooklyn Nets. What does that mean for the Brooklyn Nets? Chantel? What does it mean for Steve Nash? What does it mean for the locker room? What are your thoughts on this whole situation, Chantel? Break it down for me. Well, as I said, when all of this drama came about, this was a whole bunch of finesse by Kevin Durant <laughs> and Kyrie Irving. I don't think either of them actually ever wanted to leave. I think what they wanted to do was get Kyrie signed to another deal and Katie and Kyrie still play together. And if Kyrie and Katie are healthy, they're still going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference. So let's just keep it a buck here. And Kevin Durant got what he wanted, right? Kyrie's staying. KD's going to be there. They're trying to add more pieces as well. And I think the Brooklyn Nets are still going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference. What's going to happen in the locker room? It sounds like KD and Steve Nass pieced it out. Like, that's what it sounds like. 
I don't actually know what goes on in the Brooklyn Nets locker room. I'm sure it's under wraps a lot of it, but there it was such a tumultuous year with everything that was going on with Kyrie, um, you know, and his stance, which of course he obviously has his own views and you have to respect that. And then just the fact that they were never able to, I feel like get chemistry together on the court, everybody, because a lot of the year, a lot of guys weren't playing together. So I think Kevin Durant and KD are going to stay in Brooklyn and they're going to have a great year. I don't see Kyrie being traded to the Lakers. I think if Kyrie ends up playing, the Nets are going to want to keep him. Right. Ben, ben Simmons is supposed to come back as well. So he's another guy that we want to see with this trio because we have still yet to see it. Yeah. Like we don't actually know how they're going to look. And so the thing about it, if you got Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, he's the best player in the NBA. Kyrie, top five point guard easily in the NBA. So these guys are always going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference. And I'm happy they're staying in Brooklyn, to be quite honest with you. I thought the price that they were asking for Kevin Durant was, you know, crazy because of Rudy Gobert. But um, no one could take on what they were asking, right? Like they wanted a lot for KD. So I'm not surprised they weren't able to move him. I'm pretty sure KD knew they weren't going to be able to move him as well. So just a big finesse by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. What about you, Akeem? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, there's a 30 for 30, Chantel. I don't know if you remember it or heard of it. I'm probably going to butcher it, but I think it's called the, the, the Queen's Ransom or something like that. King's Ransom for Gretzky? Yeah, and didn't they trade like the whole team? <laughs> for, look, this was what it was looking like for a team to want KD. If I was an expansion team, oh, absolutely, you have everybody, right? But I'm a more established team, and I'm trying to get my trying to work for the future. When you're expansion, you want to make a you know make a dent right away. And so I just had a feeling, as we talked about, that Kevin Durant was going to end up and stay as a Brooklyn Nets. And to be quite honest, I'm happy that he did. Because they have a good team. Now, I would have liked to have seen them kept Bruce Brown, maybe get rid of Joe Harris, because I just don't trust you in playoff time, Joe Harris. If you ever listen to this, but it's all good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I think they have a good team around them. They have a solid team around them. And I really think that they can do uh, very well regular season and make a deep push in the playoffs. Now, they have to have all of their guys, Kevin Kevin Durant's going to be Kevin Durant, man. I mean, he's going, he, man loves to hoop. I'm saying I've only seen my man throughout the 82 game season, maybe, maybe get a haircut like three times, right? He's all business. It's all business. And I got to respect that. That's my favorite player. So, you know, I can talk about him like this, right? And so Kyrie stays, Ben Simmons is there. And some of the adjustments and some of the adjustments that they made, I like that they kept Nick Claxton, you know? So I do think that they have a good team. And I think if they can stay healthy, which is another thing, uh, I like what is going to come for them. Now, I also think if they start out rocky, say the first 10 games, they're like maybe four, four and six or somewhere there, I could see them getting rid of Steve Nash. I think Steve Nash is on the hot seat for the first 15, 20 games. I think that's something that I will keep in mind, but I like this team, I like that he stayed. Let's put it behind us, you know what I'm saying? And let's see what we can do um, because the Knicks ain't going to be doing nothing. So hopefully one of the New York teams can. Hey, you never know. Donovan Mitchell, by the way, uh, took off that he's a part of the Utah Jazz in his Twitter. And apparently this is the last push 
for the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell. Another guy, though, that the Nets got that I'm actually a big fan of is TJ Warren. If you remember what TJ Warren was doing in the bubble, he was balling out. He hasn't played in a really, really long time, but TJ Warren is a problem, man. So shout out to him. Uh, Shout out to his trainer as well, Omar, who who I know as well. So um, yeah, I think he's a great addition to the Brooklyn Nets. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but man, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a threat either way. Like, I don't know about Joaquin, but like, I, it's hard to want to bet against them every time. As long as you got Kevin Garnett, say Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant. The pink tickets back, you guys. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. He's, he's, he's doing his thing in his talk show in the podcast space. He's having a good time. But as long as they got KD and Kyrie and they got Ben Simmons, man, I think they always, they always have a shot. You just can't, can't, can't count out some of those players. But Pump Blank would love to know your thoughts. What are your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets situation? Kevin Durant signing back. What is Steve Nash going to do? How should he be feeling? Let us know in the comment section below. UFC fight night in Paris. You ever been to Paris, Chantel? No, I haven't been to Europe yet, but it's on the bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time. But we're not here to talk about our trip to Paris. We're here to talk about something that is happening in Paris Chantel, which is Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. What do you think about this fight, Chantel? Very comparative fight. Going to be a very good fight. What do you think about this fight? Who do you have winning? Yeah, I think this is the perfect co-main. Whitaker, I think he's more well-rounded and he's very dangerous when he's in his striking stance. I think he's a better fighter, in my opinion, than Vittori. Uh, He has really good strikes. He knows how to use his high leg kicks. Uh, He recently, though, got KO'd by Adesanya, um, but we know how good Adesanya is as well. He's got some good wins on his list, though. Uh, You got Darren Till, uh, Jared Cannonier. Also, Whitaker has really good takedown defense, which is important because Vittori, he's tough as nails. Like this guy just, he goes ham every time. Uh, He's never been stopped before, but I think he's going to want this fight on the ground. Um, He's going to try to use his wrestling as his advantage. And he likes to come forward a lot and be really, really aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to try to get Whitaker on the ground, but Whitaker has pretty good takedown defense, right? So I think Whitaker is going to want this fight upright, and I think it's going to be a volume thing. He's he's going to land more shots than Vittori and more significant strikes as well. And I don't think Vittori has a chance to outstrike Whitaker. And when you take a look at their attributes, I just think Whitaker is a better fighter, but Vittori has like the heart of a lion. So you never want to go up against a guy that has a heart of a line because, you know, he's not going to stop. And that's the way Vittori fights, right? He comes forward a lot. He's really aggressive. He's going to try to get you up against the cage, get you onto the ground. Like, that's how I think this fight is going to go. But even if he does get Whitaker onto the ground, I think Whitaker is going to be able to get up. Like, I don't think he's going to be able to keep him on the ground there. So I have Whitaker winning by unanimous decision on the crap cards. Uh, This is only three rounds which is kind of interesting because I feel like it should be a five-round fight. Um, but because it's three rounds, I have Whitaker winning by unanimous decision. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, Robert Whitaker is in a weird position, right? Because he's the number one ranked in the middleweight division, um, yet he isn't going to get a title shot anytime soon. He's had his chance. And to get a third chance, you got to go through Marvin Vittori, who, as what you just said, he's tough. Now, Vittori does not have the power to knock people out like that. I think he's only got like two knockouts, but what he does do very well is he's a pressure fighter and he can do a lot of different things, but he's not the best at all of those things. He's 
good, but he's not as complete as Robert Whitaker is. Uh, Whitaker is fast. He's quick. He puts together combinations. He's very trick to defend. And once he starts bouncing on the toes, man, that's when he feels very, very, very confident. The fact that uh, he's lost to Izzy twice and he's pretty much beat everybody else. He's beat Cannoneer. He beat all of these different guys that Izzy has beat as well, too. But the fact that he has lost to Izzy twice just goes to show you how good Adesanya is. The one thing that I like about Whitaker, what makes him the type of guy that he is, is he continues to move around the octagon and he knows where he is at all times. He's always going to come in in great shape. But I do think it is a good thing that it is three rounds because he can put forth more energy into his strikes, his attacks than he would in a, in, in five rounds. It's hard sometimes in five rounds, right? You kind of got to pick and choose certain things. But I do think uh, if this fight is going to be a brawl, he can fight there too. His improvement in the striking has gotten so much. If this is a chess match, well, that's exactly how he can fight as well too. He did that against Jared Cannonier. He checks kicks very well as well too. And I don't see Vittori being able to use as many kicks like that that Cannonier did, which was effective. I don't think Vittori is as well-rounded like that. So I'm expecting Vittori, if he can close the gap on Whitaker, try to get him against the uh, um, against the octagon and try and take him down, trying to do something other than just striking. If it's just striking, you're going to lose that one. You're not as good as a striker as Whitaker is. So I think he has to be creative with his attacks and give Whitaker something to take to, to think about other than just an upright fight. Even if you don't take him down, it at least gives him something to think about, to be weary about, to say, you know what? It may not happen that way. So uh, I have Whitaker winning this fight. I think it's unanimous decision as well, too. Again, I just think Whitaker is the more complete fighter. And I don't think Vittori has enough to mitigate some of the attacks that Robert Whitaker is going to put forth in this one. Um, I see this one going similar to how Robert Whitaker fight Cannoneer, where he's going to have his moments but I think he's going to find a way to control this fight uh, from start to finish. He'll slip in and slip out and he's elusive enough to get away and evade his opponent's attacks where he doesn't get touched as much. So that's how I see it going. Um, I think uh, Robert Whitaker wins by unanimous decision point blank. Would love to know your thoughts on this fight. Who do you have winning? Let us know in the comment section below before we get out of here, Chantel, um, you know, you spoke about at the beginning of, of the show when we're talking about some of the things in the 50th episode and that's being consistent right but there is also something that we had to do with some of the things that we're doing individually and trying to mesh our schedule consistently and that's we have to be steadfast with the commitment that we've made when you think about steadfast what what, what comes to mind what does it make you think of well, you said it right there, uh, commitment, right? So sometimes when you make a commitment to something, you definitely want to stick to it, especially if you have goals and aspirations and you want to achieve different things. Like you want to make sure you commit to something and give all your effort to it. Also, sometimes in commitment, it might be kind of hard to break away from something that doesn't serve you anymore. 
that's another thing too, when I think about steadfast, right? Because it's like, you're giving all of your effort and energy into something and you got to make sure that it works for you at the same time. I think a lot of people make commitments and they sometimes fully don't know what they're committing to, <laughs> you know? So I think it's really, really important before you do commit to something, know what you have to do, know what it entails, uh, know what it's going to take from you energy wise and time wise, because those are two things that can tire someone out. Um, so that's what I think when I think about steadfast, what about you? Man, it just makes me think of unwavering when your circumstance may not be ideal, right? I think anything in life, you just said, when you commit to it, man, you can only commit to your body and your act. You don't know what else is going to come and disrupt it, right? One of the things people ask me all the time is when it comes to sprinting, right? How do you know when you're going to run fast? What does that look like? And the truth is you may have an inkling inside your body, but you still have to do it on the track. And just because you feel good doesn't mean the terrain is going to allow you to do it because you can't control the negative when you can't control if it rains or it snows or whatever the case may be, but you got to be steadfast throughout the journey of trying to run fast, meaning whether it rains, whether it snows, whether it sleets, you're going to commit to finishing what you said you wanted to do. That means the good and the bad. When I think about steadfast, man, it's just unwavering, unwavering in every single format of your life, man, especially when you're tested the most. And a lot of people may be physically strong and physically can think that they can handle anything until you get in a position where you feel mentally weak. You still got to stay steadfast with the plan of the commitment of what you said you wanted to accomplish. So I think about steadfast. I just try and be unwavering in every aspect of my life, despite how I feel or despite the shift in things that I cannot control. You still got to be steadfast as you are with any commitment. So that's what steadfast means to me. Point blank would love to know what does it mean to you? Perhaps you're in a season where you are being steadfast. Let us know how you're getting through it. Because one thing about life is, man, you cannot go through it alone. We got to be steadfast. And sometimes a word of encouragement can help us stay to that commitment. But that's it until episode 50. You know, we want to thank each of you again for tuning in to 50 episodes of Point Blank. Perhaps it's a favorite episode that you have liked so far. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. Let us know in the comment section or social media, of course. But we would love to know. So with that being said, episode 50 is complete as we get ready for 50 more. I am Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chans. And this is Point Blank. And we'll probably, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week.